What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Baseball America's College Podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk college baseball. We are here on Friday, the day Super Regionals start, also the second day of the draft. It's an exciting time at Baseball America, a busy time, uh, but an exciting time for everyone here on the the amateur side. Joining me today, I'm Teddy Cahill. Joining me is Jim Schonard, uh, just back from the DL, and we got Mike Lanana here. And so guys, we're going to talk about these Super Regional matchups. Uh, They start today, like I mentioned, and... You know, let's just start here with the uh, the number one national seed, Florida taking on Florida State down in Gainesville. That one actually starts tomorrow, but uh, Florida sweeps through the Gainesville Regional, knocking out Georgia Tech in the final. Florida State swept through the Tallahassee Regional, knocking out South Alabama. This is a rematch from last year, uh, which Florida swept. Florida's beaten Florida State the last five times they've played, and it hasn't. Pre- I mean, they've been some close games, but I, I think everyone kind of feels like here that, that Florida has established themselves as the better team. Florida State, it's not going to be easy for sure, but you have to regard Florida as the, the favorite going into this weekend. Yeah, and I, I think I would probably regard them as the favorite against anyone they played this weekend, unless you know they played Louisville, but obviously that's not going to happen in a Super Regional so, yeah, I mean, I think you got to give them the edge just based on how they're going. Getting Peter Alonso back from his broken hand has been huge for them offensively, and obviously they're, they're filled to the brim with talent, and that pitching staff, oh, my goodness, you know, with uh, starting with Shore and Puck and Fado and then having, you know, Dane Dunning in that bullpen as a weapon and obviously Sean Anderson at the end of a game. You know, the one thing I'll say about Florida State is they've really been rolling since the ACC tournament, especially offensively. You know, guys like Jackson Luke and Dylan Busby, oh my goodness, he's he's been, he hit four home runs in the ACC tournament, hit two more in the regionals, he leads the team in 14 now, he's he's smoking hot, so, you know, guys like that, you know, Taylor Walls at the top of the order, their shortstop will have to be hitting well, and really they'll have to try to get some pitching from, from Drew Carlton, Cole Sands, and Tyler, Tyler Holton if they're going to have a chance, but it, it's tough to pitch to that Gators lineup. Yeah, I think pitching is uh, obviously Florida State's kind of weak point right now, and that is the Gators' strength. So that makes makes for an interesting thing. I mean, the thing you have to do with Florida is you, you have to keep it close because you know you're not going to score many runs off of them. So you have to you have to find a way to keep them keep them down. And you know they had five guys drafted last night in the top 50 pick or top. I guess Alonzo went 64th. So they had five guys drafted in the top 64 picks, um, and that doesn't include. You know all the underclassmen. They have the number two um, recruiting class, and they play a lot of those freshmen. So that's a really talented team. We've known that all year, but I mean that was just reinforced last night. That feels like not just keeping close, but you need to stay either tied or ahead, preferably. I mean, with the, the 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 amount of arms Florida has, and 
And we know FSU, I mean, they hit the ball well this past weekend against uh, Southern Miss and South Al, but, I mean, that was at home. They always play well at home. Now they're going to Gainesville, and that's just, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to, I mean, they can't rule it out because, you know, they do have Mike Martin in the dugout, and yeah, they do have a lot, you know, they they're, they are a team. They're, they're, they're a team that expects to win, but still, it's tough to see them going into. Maybe I'm just uh, jaded from what happened there last year, where they went there and got blown out twice. But it's it's still tough to see them going to uh, Gainesville and winning two out of three. Well, I mean, I think that does play into it a little bit. You know, you do have to wonder the psychological factor um, about that. You know, they've lost. Not only have they lost five five straight, I think it's seven of eight. Um, I'd have to look, but you know, it, it is. It is a thing that you have to you have to wonder about, and I mean the way that Florida State, the disparity between Florida State at home and Florida State on the road is significant. And Florida is a very difficult place for for teams to go in and play. They they play they play very well at home as well. Uh, Mississippi State did go in and beat them this year, but that's when they uh, when they did that they snapped. I believe it was a twenty seven game winning streak at home for the yeah, Gators. Something like that. Yeah, it was a, it was a program record for sure, and. You know, so they they play well in Gainesville. Um, you know they're playing well right now, and and getting Alonzo back, like mentioned, Mike mentioned, was was very big for them. Uh, Mike also mentioned Louisville there, and uh, so Louisville is at home. They're the number two national seed. They get UC Santa Barbara, uh, and it's another Big West matchup for uh, for the Cardinals. <laughs> Mike, you you were there last year for Fullerton when Fullerton went into to Jim Patterson Stadium and won. I mean. Uh, this is obviously a very different UC Santa Barbara team than that Fullerton team, which had Eshelman at the top. Yeah. But what do you? Uh, I mean, you've seen you've seen UCSB this year. I mean, what do you? Did they remind you at all of that Fullerton team? I don't think the pitching is as good as what Fullerton had last year. You know, I, I really don't. You know, you could. I mean, I guess you could draw some parallels in, in a way because you know last year Cal State Fullerton had David Almeida Barrera in the middle of that lineup who was really smoking hot at that point and, and hitting home runs and really driving the ball with authority. And UC Santa Barbara has Austin Bush right now in the middle of their lineup who's, who's doing kind of similar things on the regional and, and playing well. And, you know, an ace in Shane Bieber, who's been a, a great starter throughout his college career, but not quite Eshelman-esque, you know, not, not at that level. He's definitely a, a notch below Eshelman. You know, you, you have to give Andrew Andrew Tackett's a lot of credit for what he's done this year with that Santa Barbara team. They lost a lot of talent, especially on the mound, and to be able to kind of shift their style of play this year to be a little more offensively oriented and then also to put the pieces together on the mound to succeed this year. You know, they started off really strong. They looked like, hey, you know, they, they could have been a national seed at one point early on in the year, and then they hit a lull and you know, kind of struggled down down the stretch there. But to get them into a super regional, you have to really tip your cap to them. You know, with all that said, I think Louisville, especially after losing last year to Cal State Fullerton, the way they did an extra innings on the ball that just scraped off of the foul pole, I think they have something to prove this year. I think they have a chip on their shoulder. And I think, obviously, talent-wise, you know, there's no reason why they shouldn't go to Omaha. They're, they're stacked, you know, just as stacked as, as Florida is in terms of overall depth on that lineup. And they had, Florida had five draft picks taken last night. Louisville had four. So it's, it's a very deep team, a very dangerous offensive club, and obviously plenty of pitching on that staff too. So I think Louisville is the clear favorite. If Louisville, um, Louisville and Florida are, are number one and two teams coming into the year, and they had nine players drafted between them. And, and that's a big part of why they were, they were one and two coming into the year and why they're one and two uh, in, in terms of national seeds in this tournament. 
UCSB, first time in Super Regionals, you know, great job. They got hit really hard in the draft last year after you know, having one of the best seasons in school history last year. You know, now they're able to, to advance to Super Regionals. So uh, it, it will be interesting to see how they handle this, but Louisville is, uh, has only lost one game at home this year. I mean, they're, uh, we talked about how tough Florida and Florida State are at home, and Louisville is really tough at home this year. Connor Jones is the only, only person to beat them. And with the defending national champs in Virginia. So it's a tall order for UCSB. Uh, it, it definitely is. Yeah, I was thinking, this, of the eight matchups, this feels like the one where it would be a real surprise if the road team went in and won. I mean, there are others where the there's a clear favorite, but this feels like, I mean, it, it would just be tough to see. It's just tough to see Louisville losing at home. It really is. Yeah, I mean, and with all the talent and, like Mike's saying, with the, the chip, I mean, I think they really do have something to prove after last year. I mean, we probably could have said many of these same things last year. Um, not, not quite to this extent, but uh, they, were, they were definitely the favorites against Fullerton last year, and, and they weren't able to pull it off. So I think they do have something to prove, and uh, whether, whether they're talking about that or not, I mean, they all, they all know. Um, this is an older group. They, they don't play. There's no freshman really playing at Louisville this year. Right. Um, they have good freshmen, but they just, they're just they blocked. So, I mean, th- this is a group that, that remembers what happened last year. Man, it's a very determined bunch and a, a group that has a little bit of a swagger and, and, and confidence about them, and, I, and I, just, I just don't see them losing the Super Regional. So then we have Miami, the number three national seed. They take on Boston College, who is another kind of a darling of regionals. Um, three seed, they got out of Oxford, which uh, we... Regarded as the strongest regional, uh, and they were a part of the reason why that was the strongest, that they were a three seed there, uh, with Justin Dunn, who was a first rounder last night. And, and, and he kind of gives them a chance no matter who they're facing. And so it'll be an interesting game this afternoon uh, against Miami uh, with Dunn on the mound there. Miami, of course, ACC champions. Uh, we get a little ACC matchup here in Super Regionals, or uh, as somebody, I don't remember who now, pointed out to me, uh, you know, a great Big East showdown. Um, <laughs> former Two former Big East members going at it. Although, for the record, Miami never played baseball in the Big East. <laughs> John, if John were here, he would point that out, so I'll serve that role. Here. <laughs> um, but, you know, so it, we have Miami, uh, ACC champs. They've been number one this year. Uh, you know, they... Which is something Louisville hasn't, by the way. I mean, it's just interesting that, that we talk about Louisville as this clear-cut favorite, and right. they still have not been number one. Um, Miami been number one this year, ACC champs, playing really well. I mean, just a just a solid Miami group again, and, and they rolled through their regional. Uh, Long Beach State gave them gave them a tough game there, but they uh, they were able to sweep through. And I mean, how do you think they match up against Justin Dunn? Yeah, you know, it, it's a really tough assignment for Justin Dunn because this lineup, especially just watching them the other week in the ACC tournament, I mean, there's there's just a lot of confidence in this lineup. They don't get intimidated when they fall behind early in the game, and, it, and it's really a lineup that, you know, the, the coach that I was talking to, we have all our super regional previews up on BaseballAmerica.com where we have anonymous coaching scouting reports. I think they're really cool. I love I love that we do that. Uh, the coach that I was talking to about Miami just just pointed out how they've really developed hitters over the years and guys that have really blossomed that have stuck with that program. You know, guys like Edgar Michelangeli and uh, Johnny Ruiz, you know, guys that have really blossomed. And then obviously, you know, Zach Collins in the middle of that order, uh, you know, a top 10 pick last night, number 10 overall. 
and uh, you know it's it's really a tough assignment for Dunn and you know Teddy you and I were, were talking about this earlier you know I think for Boston College to have a chance and I think they do have a legitimate chance but I think they need to win tonight with Dunn on the mound you know that's a game that they need to win and if they do you know and he's he's got great stuff he's got mid 90s stuff he's got a four pitch mix you know he's been he's been shoving for a month now so they have a chance if they do win that then you know with, with two starters behind him that have done well this year and Mike King a senior who really has great fastball command great great feel on the mound and Jacob Stevens who I think started his career with 27 straight scoreless innings or something like that they do have a chance but I, I think this is still Miami's super regional lose especially uh, at home another team that's that's extremely tough at home what do we think of Justin Dunn's honey bear or honey badger uh haircut this week <laughs> you know what i haven't uh I haven't you, you haven't seen that yeah he uh a good look at they, it they went with uh they went with the honey badger look so uh we'll see we'll see how that serves them <laughs> um but miami i mean when you look at this team it's just a the offense is is really good the pitching has been solid this year i mean it is it's a complete team right and uh you know, they're, they're pretty well balanced. I think that's what, what stands out to a lot of opposing coaches, just how balanced this team is. Yeah, and, you know, and the one thing the one thing I'll say about their pitching is that it doesn't necessarily blow you away in, in terms of in terms of stuff, but they're veteran guys and, and guys that, you know, throw strikes and, you know, JT Ortega does a great job there as their pitching coach, especially with left-handed pitchers who they have a lot of this year. You know, Michael Medevilla stands out as, as a guy who's been really good for them this year, and Danny Garcia a veteran guy as well. So, I mean, they're not they're not going to if they're facing a more physical, powerful lineup, I'd maybe be a, a little more worried, but BC isn't exactly, you know, a, a physically imposing lineup. They're more a scratch and claw kind of offense and, you know, they'll they'll score their their share of runs this weekend, but I think Miami has enough on the mound and they're a great defensive team too. I you know, I think that's something that gets overlooked a little bit. You know, 983 fielding percentage, they really catch the ball, don't make a lot of mistakes. So, it's really athletic out there. They're fun to watch. So, yeah, it should be a fun Super Regional. I think BC has a chance, but, you know, like I said, I think it's Miami's. So, then we have, uh, move on here to College Station, which is uh, Texas A&M and, and, and TCU. And this might be the best of the bunch. We've got another rematch from last year, but unlike the Florida-Florida State rematch, this was a very tight Super Regional last year. Uh, that one was in Fort Worth. This one is in College Station. A&M is the number one team in our poll um, coming into the tournament. Uh, TCU is hot, though. I mean, they went out. Since they uh, lost a series, uh, second to last weekend of the regular season, they lost a series. Since then, they've really turned it around. They went and they won the Big 12 tournament. They swept through their regional last week. Um, they're playing really well. But Texas A&M, guys, I mean, they're, they're number one for a reason. They won yeah. the SEC tournament. Uh, they all they nearly won the SEC. I mean, the, you talk about Miami is a complete team. A and M is a complete team too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The Aggies are are right there. You know, I would I would take Florida and Louisville. I think just a, a slight notch ahead in terms of 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 talent. I mean, you could you could definitely argue about that. But I mean, A and M did have four All Americans this year, the most of yeah. anyone. They have not had the draft picks yet. In fact, I don't think they've had a single draft pick yet. Um, but it's really good college players. It's yeah. Boomer White, the SEC Player of the Year. Right. You know, it, it, Mark Eckert, the back of the bullpen. Brigham Hill is a really solid Friday guy. 
another team that's just very deep, another team that can beat you one through nine in their lineup and a lot of arms at their disposal. You know, they're just they're just a dangerous club. They're a dangerous club, and, you know, you look at, you talk about the Super Regional last year that these two played in Fort Worth, and, I mean, that was just simply just riveting. You know, it was, it was, it was the most epic in terms, of, in terms of the games that were played. You know, the final two games in that Super Regional went 10 innings and then 16 innings, and it was kind of a shame that both teams can go to Omaha with the way that both teams played in that. You know, I think... Obviously, TCU is a little bit younger this year. Lost a lot of pieces that they had on the Omaha team last year. A team that I thought coming into it, going into Omaha, had a chance to win the whole thing last year, and just it just didn't happen. Obviously, but yeah, you know, I I think Texas A&M gets the edge here just because you know I think I think they're the better team this year. I think they have the better resume this year. A little more talented this year, and obviously playing at home. But you know, you put these two teams in the same super regional and obviously I, I think it goes three games and I think it's gonna be a, another fun one to watch like it was last year. Jim, what have you seen from, from TCU in terms of growth? I mean I, I know you talked to Schlossnagel in the preseason mm-hmm. uh, for our, for a preseason uh, preview. You know, what what do you see what what have you noticed in terms of growth over the, the course of the, the last few months? Well, I mean, certainly you start with on the mound where they, they've had to get healthy there with, um, you know, they were without Mitchell Traver for most of the year, and so getting him back is a, is a big deal for them. But, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they were, last year they were such an experienced lineup. This year they've had to kind of come together and obviously getting, you know, um, you know we talked a lot of, you know, we talked a lot about Luke and Baker. Obviously he's not been able to pitch lately, but he's a huge piece for them, you know, freshman who's hitting 380. And, you know, this lineup, they've just kind of come together, guys, you know, like, you know, Elliot Barzilli, Cam Warner, a lot of these guys of Dane Steinhagen. These are, you know, Steinhagen is an older guy, but I mean, they've really they've kind of grown together, and it's just uh, kind of like when our in our um, you know, what the the coach in our uh, super regional scouting report talked to us. They just have a winning culture there. They you know they that carries over from year to year, and even when they lose guys, they expect to you know they expect to be there every year. And it's gotten it's, it's kind of Jim Schlossnagel's built that program to that point, and that's that is where they are, and they're. Back in a super regional in a year where they, you know, they kind of had their ups and downs. They had that series where they got to, they lost the home series to Texas Tech, if I remember right. They lost the series to Baylor late in the year, which was a surprise. But they've, you know, they obviously they got some momentum in the Big Twelve tournament. They went through and swept through there. They won a tough championship game with West Virginia, and uh, they've, I'll say they've got it rolling now. And it's, I mean, as good as Tech, I mean, Texas A and M is very good at home, very tough place to play. But it feels like if anyone. Of these, you know, if anyone could go in there and win, it feels like yeah, TCU was a team that could do it. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, they're rolling. Luke and Baker is rolling at the on, at the plate. I mean, he went crazy in the Big Twelve tournament, and I mean, pitching to him right now is is just going to be very difficult for uh, for Rob Childress to set up a plan. I mean, it, I I think this will be a a great super. Um, it'll it'll just be very interesting to see how AM responds to you know kind of being the favorite here. Last year it was TCU kind of had to kind of had to wear that and they were able to, to pull it off. But now that's that's on A and M. I think a lot of people are going to be expecting them to come out. Um, you know, even though TCU is a, a good team, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they respond to that. But I mean, like you said, they, incredible job by by Schlossnagel to get this team back here. They just lost so much from last year. It's it's a completely different looking team than those last two teams, which were Omaha teams. So if he can make it three in a row here, uh, having kind of just reloaded. Um, it, it'll be. I mean, it, we'll just speak to, to what he's been able to, to build there um, in Fort Worth. So we'll stay in Texas here. Uh, number five uh, national seed is Texas Tech, the Big Twelve champions. They get the upstart uh, East Carolina Pirates, who uh, 
went to Charlottesville for the second time this year, and for the second time this year, they come out with a winning weekend, and they're <laughs> headed to Super Regionals. Um, this is not an East Carolina... I, I've seen East Carolina play a few times this year. At no time did I walk away thinking, oh, that's a Super Regional team. Yeah. Uh, I saw Texas Tech play this year. I thought they were a Super Regional team much more than I thought East Carolina was. But here East Carolina is, and Cliff Godwin just does a really, really good job in getting this team uh, to Super Regionals. And you know they go into to Virginia, they beat the defending champions, and, and they're, they're moving on. Mike, I know you've spent a lot of time in Greenville. Oh, I have. So, did you ever did you ever think this was a super regional team? No, I mean, uh, when you watch them play, they don't stand out for their raw tools. They don't stand out in, in terms of just, okay, this team is loaded with draft prospects. But a way that they do stand out is just in, in the way that they kind of carry themselves, the way that they rally, and just the scrappiness on this team. It's really just a, a bunch of college ball players that really just don't give in. Clearly, they weren't intimidated in, in Charlottesville this, this past weekend, and they weren't intimidated the second week of the year going up against the defending national champions. I think they had lost something like 12 games in a row to them you know, coming into that series, and they took two out of three and you know, possibly could have swept it. You know, that you know, they had a chance in that final game there. They were rallying late. So, you know, I think the thing with them is it's kind of a different guy every day for them offensively. And, uh, you know, that guy th- this past weekend ha- has been Travis Watkins, the- their catcher, who really just, just stepped up and had a three-run home run to-, to beat Virginia and kind of turn the tide in the second game of that regional and, and-, and put, you know, keep them in that winner's bracket there and put them in great position. You know, I think they pitch well. You know, again, it- it's nothing stuff-wise that really jumps out at you. But I think Evan Krasinski, I mean, you look at his numbers, 7-1, and 1.86 this year. You know, he's going to scrape 90 maybe on a good day. But he's really going to command it. He's going to compete, and he's got good off-speed stuff, a good changeup, and a and a, a curveball that he'll flip in there. And you know, Jimmy Boyd and and Jacob Wolf behind them are, are are solid veteran pitchers as well. So you know, they're they're a solid club, a solid college club. And Cliff Godwin has done really just a tremendous job since he took over last year. And you know, I think they match up match up well at Texas Tech. Who you know, Tim Tadlock has done a great job there as well, coaching them. You know, to the the Big Twelve title and. It's uh, you know kind of similar clubs in some ways, although Texas Tech has has a bit more power, I would say, in their lineup. But I think they're both kind of similar in just their their toughness. I do love that one of these teams has to go to Omaha because East Carolina is uh, obviously you know more of a mid major. I know now they're in the AAC and the American is is maybe a little bit better than than your your typical mid major. But there's not there's not a, a strong uh, you know it's a good baseball school, but there's not. There aren't national championships at East Carolina, right. and uh, this is Texas Tech's second super regional ever, and it is the second in three years. But this is, you know, Texas Tech is not Texas, um, you know. But so it's two coaches that that have built something there, and uh, that that are really doing great jobs in, in, in Tadlock and, and Godwin. So it'll be it'll be great to see uh, how they handle this weekend. Lubbock is uh, not a particularly easy place to play. The uh, the fans will be very into it. I saw Texas Tech tweeted out some pictures of, of students lining up for tickets way in advance. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is a super that's already sold out. A few of them already are. Uh, Mississippi State, who we'll talk about in a second, uh, sent out a release that they were limiting tickets to 14000 per game. So uh, <laughs> that would be a fun environment. But Lubbock is a great environment, too. And Jim, I mean... I know preseason coaches talked about Tech as a dark horse. We didn't have mm-hmm. them 
preseason ranked, but but they told you not to sleep on the Red Raiders. Yeah, exactly, and mostly it was because of that because of the offense. I mean, you know, the one, I mean, we kind of figured that Ryan Mosley would be a bigger role on the pitching staff. He's another guy with experience, so he kind of had a tough year. But you know, they've been relying on these freshman arms, Davis Martin, Stephen Gingery. Now they do. They're not using the all-freshman rotation anymore. They do have uh, Ty Dameron, the junior lefty. Well, I will there, say about that, um, I'm not quite sure what they're doing on Game 3 anymore. Uh, no. they, they're really still looking for that third starter. I put Ty Dameron on the, yeah. in the, the preview. I feel like he's but been starting down the He has been, break. but I would not be surprised if they went with somebody else. And maybe even Ryan Mosley. He pitched really well in the regional. He did, yeah. I saw, I saw he had a good, uh, good job in that one of those DBU games, but... Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, this feels like a, a matchup of two good offenses. I mean, this should be a fun one. Um, you know, both these teams can hit pretty well up and down the lineup. They're both, I think really they both kind of have a, you know, kind of a hard-nosed, scrappy character to them. Certainly, you know, some of the Pirates have always had, you know, throughout the years of that program and, and, and obviously Texas Tech, very good at home. So this, I mean, Texas Tech's the favorite, but it would not, I mean, we saw what ECU did to Virginia. I mean, to pull out the game they did on Saturday, the way they did coming from behind, getting the... I guess the walk-off home run, uh, in, you know, on, in Charlottesville, but uh, and with those little uh, weird little nuances you get in regionals there, but yeah, I mean they're a team that's not going to be intimidated, so it wouldn't. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they uh, if they went out there and, and won that series. It'll be uh, it'll be an exciting one for sure. Um, so moving on now to Starkville, as I mentioned, Mississippi State six uh, number six national seed. They get Arizona, uh, the lone Pac-12 team left in the field. And Mississippi State, SEC champs, uh, swept through their, their regional, took care of Fullerton, another West Coast team. Uh, so now they'll get Arizona, which is just kind of a – they were not expected to be here. They were picked, <laughs> I believe, eighth by, uh, in, in the Pac-12 preseason. It might have even been lower that by the coaches. Jay Johnson's first year was not supposed to include a super regional appearance. Another great coaching job. Uh, but John Cohen at Mississippi State did a, a worst-to-first turnaround for, for the Bulldogs there, kind of turning over a lot of the lineup, getting some guys healthy, and you know they're playing really well right now. This will be, uh, be an interesting one. I, I think you see more talent at Mississippi State, but Arizona really believes, and the mental side that, that Jay has, has brought to that group, he really has them focusing on the game in front of them. They, they talk about... Every game is their Super Bowl, which sounds really hokey. And I think they know how hokey it sounds, but they believe it. I mean, they really do believe it. And they out there, so they're going to be focused. They're going to be ready for this. I just don't know. We'll, we'll find out if they have the, the guns to match up with what Mississippi State has to offer. Right, yeah. And I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head as far as, you know, not a lot of people really expected the Wildcats to get to this point, but really no one expected the Pac-12 to turn out the way it did, as, as we've talked about all year, and we don't have to beat a dead horse there. But, yeah, you know, it's it's impressive. It's really impressive what they did in that regional coming through the loser's bracket and, you know, really just stretching their pitching staff as much as they can. It's not the deepest staff, but they, they found a way to, to make it work and, and win in a tough atmosphere in, at Lafayette. So, you know, credit to them for that. And, you know, it's a team that's, that's really super athletic, a team that, that runs on the bases and, you know, d- does a lot of things offensively. Uh, you know, I think it kind of an X factor for them is, is might be Bobby Dahlbeck as far as what he does this weekend. You know, he's had a down year from what everyone expected offensively, uh, but he's been great out of the bullpen for them this year for the most part. 
and uh, you know if he can run into one here or there this this weekend, you know maybe he can he can change change things from an offensive standpoint. But you know obviously Mississippi State, given what they've done this year, really an impressive resume going through the SEC this year. And obviously, as you mentioned, worst of first. I mean, it, it's been a really impressive year and playing at home here with with the crowds of fourteen thousand people. I mean, I, I think uh, I think they're the clear favorite in, in this in this super regional. You know, the one thing I'm kind of curious about is to see how Dakota Hudson bounces back from a, a rough start in, in the regional against Southeast Missouri State, the four seed in that regional. But Austin Sexton and Zach Houston have been pitching really well behind him, and you know, it's a you know some interesting pieces in that offensive offense as well. So I you know I like the Bulldogs in the super regional. I, I think they come away with it. But you know, Arizona, you know, again, it's another great coaching job with that team this year by Jay Johnson. Yeah, Hudson has scuffled here down the stretch. They you know, he, he wasn't great in the SEC tournament. Uh, it was a lot of singles against LSU, but he wasn't great in the SEC tournament, and then he got knocked out early by Southeast Missouri State. Uh, so they need him to be better. He fell last night a bit, stayed in the first round. It was the last pick of the first round. Um, you know, so how he bounces back will be interesting. If he's not at his best, they do have the depth on the mound to survive that. Um, this will be harder than uh, last weekend, you know, just by virtue of Arizona is going to be a better opponent against him than, than Southeast Missouri right. State. So they're going to have to work a little harder. But the offense is good enough to pick him up. They picked him up last week against an All-American in Joey Lucchese. They knocked him out pretty early, too. Yeah. Uh, what looked like a, a great pitching matchup between two All-Americans ended very early, as sometimes. Sometimes those things happen, but... Zach Houston's emergence has been huge. He pitched really well in the SEC tournament. He pitched well again last weekend. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of gives them a third starter that, that they've been looking for all year. This is a, I mean, this is a group that, that believes, I think, that you know, they've bought in. And, and you, know, you don't go worst, for, worst to first without having the, a, a certain level of men- mental makeup to, to believe in yourself when not very many people are believing in you. I mean, we did rank them preseason, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I... I I have to imagine that, you know, last year kind of galvanized the guys that were there and, and you know, just what the work they did in the, the fall and the summer to get better, uh, which is a thing that, that you hear about a lot around Mississippi State. It's just how important last summer was for a lot of those guys to get some positive momentum rolling into this season. Right. And the, and the one thing I, I, I wonder with Dakota Hudson, too, as you were talking about him, is, he, you know, he's been a reliever for most of his college career, and he's up over, I think, 106 innings at this point this year. So you wonder how much of it is just, you know, physically, you know, kind of taking a toll, a little fatigue there. You know, I'm speculating there. I, I don't know for sure, but I imagine it's taken some some toll, some degree of, of, of you know, a, a toll there with him. But Yeah, he's a we'll big see. kid, but, I mean, I wondered this – when he went through a little lull earlier in the season, and yeah. then he got better, and it just kind of looked like, well, maybe that lull was because he had to face A&M in Florida, right, um, right. I believe, in back-to-back weeks. But it's come back, and now that he's over 100 in it, for sure. I mean, it might be. I, I think that is reasonable to wonder about. I mean, we, we don't know, but um, I, I think that is a reasonable thing to, to look at. And speaking of guys that, that have worked more innings than they have in the past, when we look at Columbia, South Carolina this year has been reliant on uh, Clark Schmidt and Braden Webb at the top of the rotation, mm-hmm. and those guys have both worked way more innings than they're than they're used to. Um, Schmidt over 100 innings after uh, doing a lot of relieving last year, and Webb uh, he'll probably get to 100 this weekend um, after 
you know, missing a couple years with, with Tommy John, but this is a really interesting regional or super regional gymmer with South Carolina and Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State was the two seed in Clemson last weekend, sweeps through Clemson. They're not going to be afraid to, to go into Columbia. Uh, and South Carolina had to work through the loser's bracket at home uh, after they got beat by Rhode Island ace Tyler Wilson, who is a very good pitcher. But mm-hmm. South Carolina able to work back through the loser's bracket to uh, to set up this super regional uh, in, in Columbia. What, what do you see when you look at this, Jimmer? Um, certainly I was very impressed with what Oklahoma State did going down to Clemson. I mean, it was, you know, they shut out Nebraska, and then they just beat up Clemson twice. I mean, that was a, a really impressive effort on, really on all, on, all, on all fronts there. So, I mean, like you said, they're not going to be intimidated going to Columbia. I mean, that's going to be a great atmosphere. It always is in the postseason. But, you know, I mean, Clemson, you know, they had there plenty of uh, fans there, and that they, they didn't uh, bother them at all. So, I mean, they'll, they'll, I would expect them to certainly be in it. I mean, it was, I mean, you know, to South Carolina's credit, like you said, they had to come through the loser's bracket, which is something they're not accustomed to having to do. But, you know, they kind of, they show that, you know, they've got the bats to do it. They kind of bashed their way through against, uh, they had that one close call with Duke, but then they bashed, bashed their way through against Rhode Island and UNCW. So, I mean, they're flying high coming into this weekend. But, I mean, I won't, I won't say Oklahoma State's the favorite, but this series only feels like it's a, it's pretty evenly matched. Yeah, Oklahoma State, they're going to pitch. They pitched really well at Clemson last weekend, and South Carolina needs Schmidt to be better. He has scuffled here um, down the stretch, and they need they need him. I mean, that's what this team is. It's it's pitching and defense, and, and they do have a good lineup, but, I mean, it, it really, when they were going their best, it was because Schmidt and Webb were going deep into games and giving up, like, one or two runs over seven innings. That's how they won games early. So they need to get back to that. Uh, and they especially need to get back to that because Thomas Hatch, Tyler Buffett, and Jensen Elliott just shut down Clemson and Nebraska for, for Hatch. But Buffett and Elliott shut down Clemson, mm-hmm. and Clemson can hit. And Clemson can especially hit at home. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's Clemson's whole deal. And, but they, the Cowboys went in there. They were not intimidated. Uh, Rob Walton had that pitching staff ready to go. They had a great plan, and they executed it. And they're going to do that again this week. And this is a weird thing to say. You know, the coach that I spoke to for the South Carolina preview, you know, mentioned this that you know, it's weird to say this about South Carolina, but they are not experienced at this point. Um, that's a younger team and they did not go to the, the postseason last year. They went one and out in the SEC tournament and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they play a lot of freshmen and I mean, Boston regionals the year before that. Too. Right. I, but there aren't even that many players from that. I mean, they play a lot of freshmen, they play a lot of junior college kids and uh, and, and sophomores and you know, so that I mean, it's just it's a different experience for them. Whereas Oklahoma State has been in regionals for three straight years. This is their second super regional in three years. It's an older team, and so it, it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic. But South Carolina does have their home crowd, and and that that will definitely you would have to imagine would, would help the the younger players. Uh, you know, maybe maybe make up for that experience gap. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll say one thing, and I'll, I'll be driving down to Columbia tomorrow for the Super Regional, and I'm excited about it because I think it's one of the more evenly matched Super Regionals, you know, in this field right now. And, you know, I've seen both teams this year, and uh, if, if you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen <laughs> that I've, I've, I've may have jinxed both of these teams earlier this year. When I saw Oklahoma State back in the second week of the season, they lost three straight walk-offs to, to UNC and Chapel Hill, and when I saw South Carolina earlier this year, they lost both games to Clemson, but 
you know, both times, even though I saw losing efforts out of these teams, I came away impressed. You know, I liked Oklahoma State's club. I mean, obviously those games were all close because they were all walk-offs, and, you know, the pitching really stood out to me. You know, at that point, you know, Tyler Buffett was, was working out of the bullpen, but he really stood out just because he has he has pitchability, he throws four pitches, he commands them all, and really has a good mix going. And so, you know, I think him moving to the rotation was a good move for them, and he's obviously been really good for them and, and shut down, as you said, a really good hitting Clemson team uh, this past weekend. And obviously Thomas Hash has, has great stuff. Jetson Elliott has, has great stuff as well as a, as a freshman and has done a really nice job in his freshman year. And it's a veteran group. It's a, it's a, it's a, a bunch of, of guys that have a ton of experience that kind of center around Donnie Walton, their, their senior there, the, the son of Rob Walton, their pitching coach. Um, you know, he's a switch hitting shortstop. Um, who, who does a lot for them just from a leadership standpoint and from a production standpoint as well. And so I do like that Cowboys club, and they have played well down the stretch. You know, I think I think you hit the nail on the head as far as South Carolina, as far as the key is, you know, pitching with, with Clark Schmidt and Brain Webb. Both guys were knocked out early, you know, this past weekend, and they really had to lean heavily on, on Josh Reagan and, and guys in, in the bullpen. And, you know, at some point, you know, Josh Reagan, you know, he's not going to be able to pitch, you know, every single game, I wouldn't think. You know, I mean, maybe he will. But, you know, the six, seven innings at a time, I mean, that's that's asking a lot out of a guy who's who's, who's pitched more in, in short relief this year and has been more a, a closer for them this year. So, uh, you know, they're going to need some some length, I think, out of, out of Clark Schmidt and Braden Webb this weekend. And, you know, they're going to, you know, need Gene Cohn to, to keep, you know, producing at the top of the order and keep doing what he's been doing. And, you know, Alex Destino to, to provide some of that thump in the middle of the order as well. I mentioned uh, Dunn's haircut. I also want to throw out the, the Braden Webb rock the wild thing haircut last week and I, I don't know if he's still gonna have that after, well he was uh, pretty wild <laughs> yeah after after that performance I don't know if he'll keep that but uh so it worked since we're since we're talking about Ace's hair um yeah I'll uh, I'll throw that out but this this would I think this is probably the most interesting one just because I you don't know I th- this feels like one of the most up in the air super regionals it's also the only one probably not coincidentally to that it's the only one that doesn't have a national seed in it. Clemson was the only national seed knocked mm-hmm. out last weekend. So without that, I mean, I, I think it does become a little more wide open. And I mean, that Oklahoma State team knows how to play on the road, uh, even if you saw them lose three road games. And Colin mm-hmm. Thoreau told you to never come to a road game again. Right. Um, but <laughs> Someone's going to beat the jinx this weekend. Someone, both, both teams have been jinxed, and someone's got to beat it. You know, someone's going to win. So I, I know. Five days of rain. I mean, we talk <laughs> about the Lanana jinx, but I mean, is there a Lanana, like, is there an opposite to that, or, or is there only the Lanana jinx? I think, I, I think there's only the Lanana jinx, okay. as, as far as I know. I've only seen the jinx. Yeah. Right. So no we'll, we'll find out who can beat that this weekend and, it's, it's and, and get to Omaha. I mean, that, yeah. I mean that, that'd be a huge accomplishment. Uh, for either of these teams getting to Omaha, for Oklahoma State, it'd be the first time since 99. For South Carolina, obviously, they've been more recently. They have two national championships since then, but that's a that's a team that has, uh, you know, I mean, they, they missed the NCAA tournament completely last year, and, and like Jim mentioned, lost in regionals two years ago. Yeah. So uh, to get back to Omaha with this group, and it'd be Chad Holbrook's uh, first time as, right. as a head coach. So that'd be uh, either one of these teams getting to Omaha would, would be a, a, a big accomplishment. Yeah, and I think, you know, as you mentioned, Ted Holbrook, I mean, he's been coaching kind of in Ray Tanner's shadow there, and fans have gotten on him, and, you know, obviously has, have voiced their displeasure at times, and I think that'd kind of be a monkey off his back in some ways just to get to Omaha, and, you know, maybe things would calm down a little bit for him, uh, you know, fan-wise. So I think that'd obviously be big for them and big for that program to, to get back there. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you would hope so, uh, but following a legend is never easy, right. obviously, and, and this is, uh, you know, this is this is just the reality that you get when you, uh, you know, when you follow a guy like Ray Tanner. Um, speaking of people that know what that's like, uh, we go to Baton Rouge, where Paul Maneri did not immediately follow Skip Bertman, but uh, continues to coach in his shadow, even after winning the national championship. Uh, Louisiana State... Back in Super Regionals, uh, they had to, it was, it was a weekend of rain, and then they had to come out of the loot. They lost a, the first championship against Rice and came back and won that second one uh, in, in comeback fashion, as, uh, as has been the Tigers' habit. Uh, and they get the upstart Chanticleers. Uh, maybe not upstart. I, I did think they were going to win in Raleigh last weekend, and they survived another rainy weekend and uh, some, uh, you know, a very weird uh championship day against north carolina state that's one way to describe it um yeah i mean that we probably could spend half an hour talking about that um you know surviving that suspended game and 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 getting uh you know a a wild comeback when they returned to play that that ninth inning the next day uh but this is their first time uh in super regional since 2010 and Everyone remembers that 2010 team when you talk about Coastal Carolina, how talented it was, and it took South Carolina uh, to three games in Columbia, and that was South Carolina's the first of South Carolina's national championship teams in that back-to-back stretch. But Coastal, I mean, th- this is their this is their best team since then, and people have said that coming into the year. People say that now. It'll be interesting to see how they go. They handle Baton Rouge because, as we all know. Alex Box Stadium is a difficult place to play, and LSU is feeling themselves right now. I mean, they've got that mojo. They've had that mojo for a month now. So, I mean, I, there's two very confident teams, and I, I think they'll, they'll make for a, a, an exciting Super Regional this weekend. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And, you know, maybe people who haven't kept up with the game as much this year might look at LSU Coastal and look at the names of the programs and think, oh, LSU, you know, all the way, just given that they've been a, you know, a perennial Omaha team and all of that. But you look at the two teams, and I, I do think they match up well. And I, I think this LSU team, while they've played really, really well down the stretch, I think it's it's a, it's a beatable team. You know, obviously you, you look at what they've lost this year from the draft and from just the upperclassmen that they lost last year. And it's really an entirely different team from an offensive standpoint. And what they've had to do is a little bit more scratching and clawing than necessarily just, you know, kind of powering the ball. And, you know, they rely a lot on speed and a lot of scrappiness. And they've gotten a lot of contributions from guys like Kramer Robertson, who's really come on strong lately. And, you know, I think the rally possum has helped them a lot too. Just, uh, you know, that, that stuffed animal in, the, <laughs> in, their, in their dugout. But, you know, uh, you know, the key for them really is, is just on the mound, you know, having, having a guy like Alex Lang just with the stuff that he has. I mean, he has the ability to shut down any lineup just with that, you know, mid-90s fastball and a really power, power curveball. And Jared Pochet is obviously a guy with a lot of big game experience and a guy who's not going to be phased by a, a super regional start. So, you know, you, you do have to give them a little bit of an edge, I think, and obviously playing at home, too, a really tough place to play. But I like Coastal's team. You know, I think you look at their lineup, I think they can beat you one through nine. There's a lot of power in that lineup, um, a lot of confidence, as you said, a lot of swagger. I think they've kind of embraced the whole Road Warriors kind of thing. I think that's a meme that they have going on on their, their Twitter account right now. But um, and, and they could pitch a fair amount, too. Andrew Beckwith has, has done a nice job, and, you know, Cunningham has some stuff, and Mike Morrison at the back end of that bullpen has obviously been very good this year, .79 ERA. 
So, you know, they have some pieces and I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be another close one. I think it, it I think it's going to go three games, honestly, in my opinion. Well, the thing about LSU during this stretch is that they don't blow teams out. Like that's just not their nature. Um, when you look at their lineup, it, it, it's not like a power hitting lineup, particularly. They have some guys that can hit for power. Dykeman hit a home run at the SEC tournament that I'm not sure has landed yet. I mean, he, he demolished a ball. But it, it's a lineup that, that has a, a simple approach. They just want to put the ball into play and make you make, you make, the, make the play in the, 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 in the field. And that is a good, you know, they, they've embraced it, they, they do it well, but that doesn't necessarily lead to a, a whole pile of runs. They, they can score, but, you know, it, it's not a team that, that you feel like is going to drop, you know, 10, 12 runs on you most right. games. Um, it might happen, but, but because they have to string things together more, uh, it, it's less likely to happen. And they pitch well, they play defense, and, and, and so they do play a lot of these tight games. So I, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think it'll be close, and, and Coastal is, has a, just so many different ways they can beat you. Um, they hit for power. They led the Big South in home runs. But they also, throughout Gary Gilmore's tenure at, at Coastal, they've been a, a speed-dominant team where, where they, they run a lot. They, they force the issue. They, they'll bunt not just for sacrifices. They, they like to bunt for hits. And, um, you know, so they, they put pressure on the defense as well. And uh, so th- these styles, I think, are going to make for, for an exciting weekend. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those, these feel like two teams that, I mean, Coastal, they certainly have the weapons and offense to beat anybody. I'm not as sold on their pitching depth, I would say. I mean, obviously they do have two great starters in Beckwith and uh, Cunningham, and Mike Morrison at the back of the bullpen is as good as anybody. But uh, And Bobby Holmes was really good in the regional as well. But, um, I mean, LSU, this, you know, this, feels like, this, this does feel like a very interesting one. Uh, both teams are playing with a lot of confidence right now. LSU will be at home. They've got that swagger there. Obviously, you talked about the rally, po- rally possum. Very important Laura, possum. Very important key, possum. Key to victory. Um, you know, it, saved but, a, it saved a camera this weekend, too. I don't know if you saw, but like uh, somebody hit a home run, I guess it was, and it went to the center field camera, and there was uh, a stuffed animal sitting there, and the ball hit the stuffed animal <laughs> instead of hitting the camera. That's a sign. That's, awesome. That's a sign. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's just how things are going for LSU. But yeah, I think this one could go either way. I think uh, you know Coastal has the weapons to to put up to score on, on LSU against Lang and Pache if you know if if they're, if they're on. And um, but yeah, LSU playing at home, they're going to be they're going to be really tough to to beat. Hey, anything is possible. Yeah, that's, drop the mic. That's, that's drop uh, the mic right there. That's uh, that's that's one that's one way of putting it, I suppose. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, so it, we're in for an exciting weekend here. It sounds like. I mean, obviously, you know, super regionals is always an exciting time. But I mean, I think we I think we like the matchups, and, and I think getting seven national, you know, the, the chalk that remains, I think, helps this. Uh, you know, it's always exciting to see the Cinderella teams, but when you get seven of the eight national seeds advancing to super regionals, I mean, it it, it does bring a certain air to it that you know, okay, these are we have the best teams playing, and, and that's not always the case. And um, mm. you know, it's a tournament; it's not. That's not what this is designed to do. If it were designed to do that, they would just take the top eight teams to Omaha, and we wouldn't play regionals and super regionals. Right. Um, but you know, with with seven of the national seeds still playing, I, I think it, I think it sets up with a with a lot of talent and, and makes for an exciting weekend. So we'll uh, we'll have all that coverage over on BaseballAmerica.com this weekend. Like Mike mentioned, he's going to Columbia. I'll be in Gainesville. 
Uh, we'll have we'll have stuff from uh, from all over the country as well, though, and from the draft, which uh, continues today. Probably is going on while you're uh, or could be going on while you're listening to this. And uh, we'll definitely continue uh, Saturday. And I know some coaches have some feelings about that, uh, and that's a topic for another day. But you know, so if you're uh, if you're looking for draft coverage, that's obviously over at BaseballAmerica.com. There's plenty of it. There are something like, I don't know, 700 scouting reports, I believe I was told last night. I don't know. It's a lot. Mike and I wrote a lot of them. We wrote a lot of reports. uh, Hudson Belinsky and J.J. Cooper really wrote a lot of them, and John Manuel uh, as well. Uh, So it's been a... It's been a, a big month here. Obviously, this is this is what June is a baseball America. It's the draft. It's the NCAA tournament. And uh, you know, if you're interested in the pro side, I mean, I guess those games are happening too. People, there's a, there's a rumor that, that I guess those happen. I, oh, wait, they're in season right now. I, I think so. I, oh. There's a hot sheet on the website right now. What's, um, what's going on in the NBA? Are they? What are they doing now? Uh, is that still LeBron a thing? is dunking on people. Okay. Um, and Steph Curry's shoes and I. You know. that, I we were all trying to figure that out during the draft last yeah. night. I, Who knows? I don't know. But if you go over to BaseballAmerica.com, you'll find all of this, minus Steph Curry's shoes, the draft, Super Regionals, Hot Sheet, it's all there. It's a big Friday. Thank you for listening to the to our podcast today. We'll be back uh, next week uh, when we know the, the eight teams headed to Omaha, and uh, we'll be headed to Omaha too next week. So looking forward to that, looking forward to a, a, a big weekend of Super Regionals here first. So thank you to Jim. Thank you to Mike for joining me today, and thank you most. Thank you to all of you listeners, most importantly, for downloading and listening and rating us over on iTunes. So enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.